As part of the 2021 state law that legalized personal consumption of marijuana and paved the way for a recreational cannabis market in New York, policymakers also greenlit an advisory board tasked with providing guidance to state regulators on a variety of cannabis issues, including how the state will spend a large share of the tax revenue generated from legal marijuana sales. But it's unclear how much say the advisory board has had to date on New York's cannabis policies, as the panel's chair said in a September board meeting that they haven't been playing their statutory role, and the state's top cannabis regulator acknowledged that the advisory group has not been kept in the loop. To discuss the status of New York's cannabis advisory board, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by the group's chair, Joe Bellick. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So under state law, what is the role of the Cannabis Advisory Board? For example, what sort of decisions does the board advise on? And are there situations where the panel's view carries even more weight than just, say, advice? One main role we have is to oversee the reinvestment fund, which is essentially 40 percent of the tax revenue that is going to the state. Forty percent of that goes to the reinvestment fund. There may be some deductions from that for administrative costs for the Office of Cannabis Management and the program, but essentially 40% of the revenue goes into a reinvestment fund that is solely under the purview of the Cannabis Advisory Board. The Cannabis Control Board and the Office of Cannabis Management are not in charge of that fund. It's the advisory board that's in charge of the fund. And we can talk a little bit about what we're doing with that. And then in the statute, in almost every provision of the law, there's a role for the Cannabis Advisory Board. And you have to read the statute carefully because in some circumstances, it's a role of making recommendations. In other areas, it's a role of being consulted. And the statute uses different language. Some places it uses the word recommend. Some places it uses the word shall recommend or shall have a role. But essentially, in all the areas that the Cannabis Control Board is issuing regulations, licensing, things like that, the advisory board has a role of recommending, commenting, providing guidance to the Cannabis Control Board and the Office of Cannabis Management. Well, as we speak then on December 11th, about a year and a half into the tenure of the Cannabis Advisory Board, are there any decisions from state cannabis regulators where you feel like the advisory board has provided meaningful input? So we've certainly provided input. Most of that has come through our meetings where we provided recommendations and feedback to the Office of Cannabis Management. For example, we had a meeting where there was quite a bit of feedback about flavorings and vape products and things like that. We've been providing extensive feedback about the growing side, the agricultural side. We're going to be doing that again tomorrow when two of our subcommittees meet publicly with the OCM staff. But, you know, I try to be an honest broker about our role. And, you know, one of our frustrations is we've not been provided as much of an opportunity to weigh in before some of these key decisions are being made. And we're continuing to work on that. You know, we've been meeting with legislators and 
OCM about it to try to develop a better process for us to provide commentary and our statutory role. Then I guess conversely, you identified some of the areas where you've weighed in. Are there decisions from Canvas regulators where you feel like you haven't had an opportunity to provide input? There are lots of them. Um, You know, I'll give you one example. The recent settlement of the lawsuits by the veterans and the medical organizations, you know, the, the CAB wasn't consulted about that. I think it's something that we may have gotten to the same place, but might have had had some input on it. And, you know, with some of the other regulations related to the medical organizations, you know, we did provide some input, some commentary about that. And there were strong views on the advisory board about that. If we've been given more opportunity, we might have been helpful in shaping how those decisions were made. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. Uh, You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Joe Bellick. They are the chair of New York's Cannabis Advisory Board. So what do you see as the significance of the advisory board not being consulted? I I guess by that I mean, what does the advisory board, what could the advisory board, if consulted, bring to the table that maybe the state regulators can't bring or or can't see solely by themselves? This is a brand new market. It's a significant financial market. There's a lot of regulatory terms related to it. And I give a lot of credit to Chris Alexander and Tremaine with the work they've been doing. It doesn't mean that they've gotten everything right, but it's a space where no one is ever happy with what is being done. And I think people need to be patient to see how the market plays out. But, you know, that being said, the advisory board is made up of lawyers, of farmers, of potential retailers, of uh, union representatives, doctors, people in the media, advocates for social justice. Um, It's a very well-rounded, serious group of people who care very much about getting this right. And, you know, the control board is five people. So having more input, uh, broader input, people who represent various constituencies is only going to benefit the process. It's only going to make the decisions better. Um, It doesn't mean everything that advisory board says has to has to be you know, adopted or listened to. But I think this is, you know, particularly because it's new, it's a space where the more voices that are heard, the better. And, you know, there's people with deep, deep experience in various aspects of this that I think would very much benefit the process. Well, since you publicly aired your concerns about the role of the Cannabis Advisory Board in September, has the panel's relationship with the state marijuana regulators changed at all? And have you gotten access to any of the staff or funding that you stressed would be uh, essential to the advisory board performing its functions? Yeah. So first of all, we are in the process of now hiring a full-time staff person for the advisory board, that's one change we requested. There is a job description. We're waiting for approval to send that out. But the process of hiring somebody, which I viewed 
as critical to our independence and our functioning is underway. I've uh, started a dialogue with uh, the chair of the control board. We've had more meetings of our subcommittees to weigh in on various issues. And uh, Chris Alexander and I have increased our uh, communications. We, we were already speaking weekly and going over items, but we're now speaking multiple times a week. And he's expressed the real willingness to try to get you know, the advisory board more involved uh, earlier on. So uh, we still have work to do. Um, and we're going to keep doing that to, to increase our independence and our ability to participate. But a lot has happened since I aired my complaints. I've also had meetings with majority leader uh, in the assembly and, and Liz Kruger and conversations with Senator Cooney, who have been very responsive and have been expressing their view also that it's important that the advisory board has a staff and has an ability to weigh in on things. Well, finally, as we speak right now, where do things stand with utilization of state marijuana tax revenues, specifically money destined for that community reinvestment fund? So um, I think we'll be giving out some money next year. We have about $5 million right now, even with the limited number of dispensaries open and sales. Uh, We have $5 million. I I think that number is going to grow exponentially as more dispensaries open. Um, We've been conducting a survey of other states who have reinvestment funds, particularly California. We've learned a lot from their experience. We've also uh, conducted a survey of the CAB members um, and their constituents about what the priorities should be. And um, we've been surveying other state agencies like the Arts Council and and SUNY and other places that already have grant making processes in place to learn about the technology that they're using. And I think, uh, you know, in very short order, probably right after the first of the year, we're going to be putting out some uh, some more information and, and probably some type of. RFP for organizations that want to um, receive the grant money. And I think this is probably one of the most exciting parts of the law. We're going to be putting a lot of dollars into communities across the state. Um, And it's one of the reasons why people should go to legal dispensaries and make their purchases there, because a portion of every dollar they spend will go back into their communities. Well, with regard to that timeline of distributing money uh, in 2024, when we spoke in April, you anticipated that before the end of this year, there'd be a process in in place uh, and you'd have money being distributed out to people and organizations. Do you feel like you have fallen behind schedule? And if so, is it a product of the issues you raised earlier, like lack of staff? So I do think it's a little bit behind. Uh, Part of it is not having staff in place to handle this. Uh, part of it is also we want to get it right. Um, and, you know, it's it's not just a substantive issue. There's a technology issue with receiving the proposals and getting the money out. And there are some decisions to be made that we're thinking through. Um, for example, you know, one of the decisions is do we give the money to small organizations or do we give it to larger organizations? And that 
affects you know the number of grants that are given and the amounts. Um, the statute also allows money to be given to local governments, and um, that's another decision point. Do we give it just to not-for-profits or do we include local governments? Um, and um, also what substantive areas we want to give the money to. So um, you're right, it has uh, slipped a bit, uh, but I think it's in the interest of getting the program right that we take our time to do it. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of activity in 2024. And I think it's, again, going to be a very positive thing for the state. Well, we've been speaking with Joe Bellick. They are the chair of New York's Cannabis Advisory Board. Joe, thank you so much for making the time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me back on. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.